Man, it was on the call Sunday. Adam Amin from Fox joins us on a Tuesday. Locked on Lions. You are Locked on Lions. Your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Matt Derry with you on a Tuesday edition of Locked On Lions right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, indeed, every single day on a Tuesday, November 21st and a Wednesday, November 22nd. Thanks for making us your first listen. Checking us out wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Lions today brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. Lions get ready to take on the Packers on Thursday for Thanksgiving. The man who was on the call called the game earlier this year on Fox, Mark Schlereth uh, for Lions and Bucks, and was on the TV side this weekend for the Lions' uh, gritty win over the Bears. Adam Amin from Fox, one of the finest young broadcasters there is, joins us today on the program. Adam, good to see you, bud. Great to see you as always, my friend. Great to talk with you. Well, long time no see. We, we were talking before we recorded. The last time I saw you was at Valpo in 09. Yeah. Uh, great times when the Titans and Crusaders uh, went at it. <laughs> that was that feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Sometimes, like it's a it's a whole career ago. It feels like for me, and I was still a student at the time, believe it or not. And and uh, I was I was just getting my my feet underneath me in the business. And you were kind enough to give me some advice and be kind, you know, be be perfectly welcoming of an idiot twenty two year old. So I will always appreciate you for that, buddy. No, all good, man. You're doing a uh, great work. I know you went from what Lions Bears Sunday, you know, the Bulls last on uh, Monday, uh, Michigan State. Now you're out in LA doing uh, MSU in Arizona, right? Tomorrow, yep. so you're busy. Yeah, man. It's uh, I'm excited to be out here and get a chance to see uh, Tom Izzo's crew and see how they look against the, another top five team. It's been another good test for them coming up. What'd you think of Ford Field the other day? Uh, remind me how many games you've done there and what was that environment like. I mean, a handful over the years, um, but yes, yeah, so probably about four or five. And we've had, uh, we did the week three uh, game against Atlanta in Detroit earlier this year. And then, as you mentioned, we, we saw the team out on the road in Tampa where the, yeah. you know, the split of crowd was, was pretty legitimate. And even then that was something like week five or week six, I think it was week six for Tampa. And I made some comments and, and I wasn't like ribbing anybody about it or, or currently suffering Lions fans because <laughs> coming from Chicago and seeing the state of sports in the city of Chicago right now, trust me, uh, yeah. I sympathize, empathize, and I wish to be sympathized and empathized with. But uh, I made some comment about like, you got to wonder how many of these people are finally starting to come around. I, I said, how many of those jerseys have been just recently purchased because Uh-oh. you can start to send. Well, <laughs> If it if it offends you, that means that you're a long suffering Lions fan, and it shouldn't yeah. apply to you. If it if it applies to you, and you realize like, oh wow, yeah, maybe, uh, because now people are starting to come around. That was around the time where where people were really starting to kind of perk their antennas up legitimately. I think the week one win at Kansas City, a lot of people were writing it off because it was a Travis Kelsey list game, and the Chiefs didn't look sharp or whatever, and it's the banner raising. And now all of a sudden, you get a couple weeks later. They're one and one after a tough loss against Seattle and, and, and Ford Fields as loud as I've ever heard it. And, you know, I've, like I said, a handful of games over the years there and, uh, and always had a good feel for the space, but it's never been that loud. And then you go down to Tampa Bay and it's, it's a mean split. I mean, it's a lot of Honolulu blue there and you can kind of, you kind of start to sense it a little bit right around that time. Cause 
that's when you start to consider teams. Are they legitimate? Are they for real? And now you go a month later to what we saw this past week. Again, the atmosphere has turned into a top five atmosphere in the NFL, in my estimation. And I've been to every stadium. I've called games in every stadium in this league now over the last 12 years of calling the league. And I, I saw what I needed to see. Uh, I saw a different way for this team to win. And all of a sudden, it's, uh, it's a real home field advantage now at Ford Field. And it sounds like it's going to be for a good chunk of time the rest of the season, regardless of what happens against the Packers. Tell me, take me behind the scenes. Obviously, you and Mark Schlereth, um, you know, get an opportunity to get with both teams. Uh, what was the rundown like on Saturday? Who'd you get to talk to? And did anything come out of those meetings where you're like, man, I got to, I had to write that one down and definitely use it on Sunday? Well, you know, Dan really has an understanding of the history of why this is so important to the city. And I said this strictly from my own perspective, and I didn't get into it on the air, but I remember doing a couple of radio hits. And I I had said to me, having been around Dan the last couple of seasons, you know how gregarious he is, how, sure. how upbeat, how energetic he is, and it's all real. Uh, but I was sensing a little bit of not exhaustion, not tired, not a little bit of weariness, just or weariness, I should say, a little bit of weariness. Like, I think he's somebody that really understands the weight of expectation. I think he understands what that's like now, now that they are for real, or at least the perception is that they're for real. And I have no reason to believe that they won't be in the mix for the rest of the season. And I think he, after having talked to us about the team room and how he has all those years painted up on you know, on the, up on the wall, here's 93 and 91 and 1957 and all that. I walked out, of, I walked yeah. out of the broadcast booth on Sunday and there was a, a guy wearing a, a Detroit Lions number 57 jersey. Oh, yeah. The nameplate said still hopeful. And I'm like, I got to tell you, sir, that jersey's awesome. Like, I, <laughs> you know, I did you see you didn't see anybody with the since 57? Because no, I didn't see the since 57. His oh, yeah, that's, a, that's another one. had like a whole different connotation to it, right? It was really <laughs> upbeat and like and optimistic. And I was like, sir, I got to tell you, that's a great jersey. He's like, I'm, I'm I'm hoping this is the year. And and there's no reason not to believe it. But I feel like Dan is I think he understands the weight. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing for the city, for the organization, for fans of the team to know that their coach is kind of bleeding and living and dying with every snap, the same way everybody who's sitting on their couch or up on their feet at the stadium is feeling. Adam Amin with us from Fox. By the way, I just thought of this as you were talking, but you're like the Jamison Williams good luck charm. Uh, you did the game in Tampa, towards yeah. a touchdown. Does the, <laughs> do, do the game Sunday, and he's, he's in the end zone as well. So uh, we got to keep you around, I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I think we might have a shot to see the Lions again in Chicago. So when, when they re-rack this in a couple of weeks, we might end up being on that call. So we'll see, which is great for me. I love rolling out of bed and going out over to Soldier Field. So that'll be nice for me uh, to have a home game and to see, you know, what happens in these next couple of weeks. These these games have, again, more severe and added weight to them uh, as of now. But if Jameson Williams wants to continue to be a threat, I like calling deep touchdown passes. I got yeah. to call it on Sunday with the fields to more and then that great throw from golf to Williams. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all for big play threats and I like seeing them. You know, obviously you do your prep, you get ready. You've seen this team and you've seen just how consistent Jared golf has been. We had, uh, um, you know, some folks from PFF on last week and, and we were talking about, all right, uh, they're the number one, you know, he's the number one rated quarterback and he goes out and throws three interceptions as a game caller and as a play by play man. You know, do you get stunned as well when it's like, what, another interception? I mean, how do you how do you kind of balance that? Because, of course, you're also a Chicago guy. 
I, th- I think you just kind of have to understand the whole context of it. And, you know, the guy's made 110 starts and only three of them he's ever thrown three picks in a game. You know, and two of them just, as you mentioned, happen to be against Chicago. You know, one when he was with Los Angeles uh, in 2018 and then uh, what we saw on Sunday. So, I mean, it's it's such a rare occurrence to see Jared have those three picks. And then when you look at all three of them individually, two of them had very odd bounces and, mm-hmm. and uh, twists associated with them. The Laporta play. I actually ran into Scott Novak, the official, after the game, and I asked him. I was like, hey, so that Laporta play with uh, Brisker, I'm a, or I can't remember if it was Brisker or Gordon now. Yeah, yeah uh, Brisker, yep. It's, uh, it, it's just incidental, right, because it didn't look like – either one of those guys had kind of gone out of their way to try to affect the play. Brisker was following the man coverage out of the backfield and Laporta had that natural route on the slant. In fact, it was Laporta that kind of initiated and had the full uh, pathway through the defender. So to me, that's incidental, not offensive pass interference. And because of the incidental contact, you take defensive out of it. So I asked, it was like, is that, is that kind of what you guys thought? And he goes, yes. We thought that because there was no real clear cut intent on either side uh, to try to disrupt the route to a ball or uh, through a pathway, that it's just an incidental play. So that weird play takes place, and Tyreek Stevenson makes a nice play to make the catch. Uh, the TJ Edwards play was a, was a good read. That's a really nice read by a, a good pass defending linebacker. Remember, he had seven or eight pass defenses uh, last year with the Eagles on on way on uh, route to a Super Bowl appearance. Really good coverage linebacker, too. He made a nice read of Jared's eyes. And then the third one, Jermon Dexter, who hasn't really had a major impact for Chicago up front, despite being a top three-round pick, finally gets his hand on a ball. It flutters into Tremaine Edmonds' hands. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. Now listen, Jalen Johnson could have had a couple of picks, too. Maybe yeah. the timing was off a little bit. I do think the Bears don't do a lot defensively, but they disguise their coverages fairly well. Uh, even though they don't have a whole menu of uh, of coverages that they play, they disguise pretty well. So maybe that had something to do with it, and Jared got away with a couple. But I'm not really concerned because a couple of those plays had strange bounces. He was making the right read. And then you see what what happens late in the game. You, you saw what you needed to see. Like I said, you know, the last couple of weeks, you've seen clutch plays, clutch throws, really good game plan, sequencing, play calling from Ben Johnson, and great execution from the offense. We've seen him blow teams out. We've seen him win tight games. We've seen him win with defense. And now we've seen him come back back to back weeks. So I think you're seeing all the things that you need to see from Jared um, for somebody that's remember, he's played in a Super Bowl. He's taken a team to the to the you know close to the finish line. Sure. Well, he at least has a sense of what is expected of a quarterback at that level and and when those games have that much weight on him. I really don't have a whole lot of concern about what we saw on Sunday. More with Adam Amin coming up next from Fox. We want to talk about uh, the eight and two Lions, where they stack up with the rest of the NFC. We'll do that uh, coming up next with Adam. But first, we're going to tell you about our friends at BetterHelp. And Locked On Lions today is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, it's that time of year. You might be feeling a lot. It's natural to have some sadness or anxiety about the holidays, getting together with family, whatever it is. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. That's why I think. Therapy's been good for me. Can be good for you as well, and that's why you need to check out what BetterHelp has in common, has in service for you, and to help you. Think of starting therapy. Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist. Great thing about BetterHelp is you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/lockdown today. 
to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com, slash lockdown. Back with Adam Amin from Fox, play-by-play man. How many years for you now doing the NFL on Fox? By the uh, way? This is year number four now. So after eight years of doing national radio, this is a uh, fourth season with Fox. Nice, nice. Um, all right, Lions at eight and two. So last night, obviously, Philly wins. Yep. And, of course, everybody in Detroit. It was weird because I think people in Detroit are like, oh, we got to get the one seed. But, my gosh, just to be in the one or two seed conversation in this town sure. is, is remarkable. But how do you kind of – see the eight and two lions and where would you you're doing power rankings where would you have them in, in the whole nfl would you think i mean the whole nfl to me they they feel like a top five team and again uh you know we're victims of our own biases based on who we've seen and who we've been up close with and who which coaches we've chatted with so we have a little bit more insight but i look around the rest of the league i mean again what i what i've seen at various points of the season right first three weeks then in the next three weeks and then in the next month so i've, I've seen this team at kind of various points I feel like I've seen what I've needed to. The elements that make a Philadelphia Eagles team, a San Francisco 49er team, a Dallas team, uh, the things that make them uh, or the elements that make them like real Super Bowl contenders are all there, right? They have some stars on defense at just about every level. They've got explosive players on offense at all uh, segments, right? And we're looking at some of the better offensive lines in the game, right? San Francisco's got Trent Williams. You can argue he's the best left tackle in the game. Detroit and Philadelphia, I'd put their two offensive lines up with anybody in the NFL right now. And Dallas has stars on the back end at the linebacking core, and they're efficient for the most part offensively. So I think those teams right now, those are probably your top four. I mean, I understand that's what the standings look like too, but those are your top four in the NFC right now. And the only teams that I feel like are really up there in comparison are Baltimore, which I know the Lions got got everything they could get from from the Ravens on both sides of the football. Kansas City, despite the loss the other night, you know, I know they've got a lot of wide receiver issues right now, and but their defense is still playing fairly well. They have a star on defense in Chris Jones, and they still have Patrick Mahomes until somebody says otherwise. Uh, those those are probably the two teams I'm still looking at as, as solidified, elemental teams that have everything that you want to see from teams that have the capability of making a, a deep playoff run. So the Lions, you're basically looking at the top six in the NFL right now. That's a position that I don't think anybody would have expected to talk about you know, they're the first six or seven weeks a year ago. What worries you about the Lions? Anything? I know last two weeks, the defense is not. I mean, they made Justin Fields look pretty darn good, and obviously Herbert destroyed them the week before, and it was a shootout. But is that the concern, the defense right now? Yeah, I think it's different elements of the defense. Um, I think this is a team that still needs to generate more takeaways. Um, you know, they, they've been pretty good in terms of margin for most of the year, but they've been kind of middle of the pack, basically. I feel like this is a team that could probably do a little bit better in terms of trying to generate some of the takeaways. Uh, I think they were top, right about top third in the NFL in turnover margin, but they're in the bottom third in takeaways. So I think uh, you need some bounces to go your way, whether it's you generating those bounces or the other team making a mistake. And when you get to playoff time, usually those teams that you're facing aren't the ones that are typically going to make the types of mistakes that just bounce into your hands. You need to generate that. And I think the other element is obviously the pass rush. You know, I I thought actually Darnell Wright did a pretty decent job on Aiden Hutchinson at the one penalty. And then up until that phenomenal rush, that great tight uh, path that that Aiden ran to get past and get through Darnell Wright and a smart play, not to necessarily go after the sack, but to sack the football and attack the ball and and turn it into essentially the game ceiling points. Uh, Up until that point, he'd been held in check for the most part. 
I think Aaron Glenn has tried his best. I think he's a little bit af- afraid, especially when you do face dynamic quarterbacks, whether it's through the air like Herbert or uh, Herbert or a guy like Fields who can do a little bit of both and, and look like he was in really good control in his first start back after a while. Uh, I think the pass rush needs to be a little bit more creative because how do you win in the playoffs defensively? Again, the takeaways is one factor. You got to get some bounces or create them yourself, or you got to affect the quarterback. And that until you start doing that at a consistent basis, that's my main concern. But is it something that can get better? Yes. Don't forget, they've got some uh, reinforcements potentially coming. Bruce Irvin is hoping to you know join the crew. I think relatively soon I have a read up on this week as to whether or not it'll be ready, but you know, he, he's he's going to be a big part of what they're trying to do. They added Kindleville door on the back ends, so maybe a little bit of of depth on the backside. I think they'll be uh, they'll be OK in that regard. If they can get really, really good all of a sudden, if Aiden Hutchinson can get a little bit of rhythm going like he had a month ago, then maybe this team's a little bit different looking on the defensive end. Adam Amin, kind enough to join us from Fox, uh, by the way, because you, you mentioned it being a Chicago guy and, and being there, voice of the Bulls on TV and all of that. Do you think Fields is the guy like what do you? So weird. I'm sure before the game on Sunday, it's like, all right, last few games adjust and then we'll draft our quarterback. And then he looked pretty damn good this week. I agree with you. I, I've been a Fields fan since he got drafted. I just feel like the Bears accidentally kind of found themselves ahead of the NFL curve offensively because this is the type of quarterback that's going to be more in vogue over the next 10 years because that's who's coming in through the college ranks. A lot of dual threat guys or guys that have the ability to be mobile outside the pocket, even if it's not necessarily as dead on sprinters, they're guys that can move the launch point and do different things and force defenses into a little bit more conflict, having to cover more horizontal field. Um, the big thing for me is, are you going to end up with two picks in the top five? Cause I think that should and, and likely will a change, will change the approach of the front office in Chicago, because if you have two picks, now you can maybe say, well, if we have the opportunity to go get, let's say, Caleb Williams and a Marvin Harrison Jr., or do you want to make the decision and say, all right, Fields was great for the final seven games, you know, let's hold on to him, go get Harrison, and then use the other pick to maybe get uh, an edge rusher that this team desperately still needs. Now, Montez Sweat finally got a sack the other day. He's going to be in the mix for the next few years after he signed an extension, but I do feel like you, you still need edge rush help, just like we were talking about with Detroit. Like John Kaminsky's played well. Aiden is Aiden. You know, he should be doing a little bit more, but teams are going to double team him the rest of the season. So where is Charles Harris? You know, where's where are the Oquaras? Where, you know, Aline McNeil's having a great season from the interior, but you still need that edge presence, uh, uh, you know, to, to affect the quarterback too, to disguise some stuff. So I think that's a necessity for the Bears as well. And the big question, I think, in the last one uh, element to this is, do you want to reset the salary clock? Because Justin Fields, if he does do very well these last six games, and he looked pretty good, like you said, against Detroit, and he is the guy somewhere, if not in Chicago, you're going to have to pay him. Somebody's going to pay him. Daniel Jones got $160 million. Like, and that <laughs> right. price tag is only going up for quarterbacks in general. And Justin's dynamic enough and has enough of a track record and resume, and the coaching staff's been a little bit maligned in Chicago. So I'm sure there are a lot of executives out there going – I could do something with that guy, or I got the offensive coordinator, the head coach that can make something out of that guy. You know, so you're going to have to pay him. So do you want to reset the salary ca- uh, clock on your quarterback position by going to get a Williams or a May or a Daniels or whoever, you know, the quarterback of, uh, of the week is, you know, once you get closer to draft time in Detroit. So uh, I'm, I'll be curious how it plays out, but those are the things that I'm looking at. My final few minutes with uh, Adam Amin coming up next. I want to ask him about the state of the NFC and really the state of the NFL as well. 
based off of some comments Tom Brady made about some mediocrity that is going on right now. We'll do that coming up next. First, though, Locked On Lions and really our entire podcast network brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks for free if your team wins. You're thinking about joining FanDuel? No better time than to get in on the action right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Heck, my, my alma mater, Syracuse, uh, just bet against them in basketball. You would have uh, done well the last two days on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I had to throw a Syracuse crack in there, uh, Adam, our uh, <laughs> mutual friend, Zach Zaidman. I texted him this afternoon. I said, we suck again. And uh, <laughs> You're around enough Syracuse guys, you know. Uh, I, I absolutely do. And Zach's a, Zach's a great, great friend and a great player. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you guys, uh, you, the network is strong, as, oh. uh, as I'm well aware, as uh, being an outsider who's got a lot of Syracuse friends. Yeah, well, you're surrounded by the Syracuse guys and the Northwestern guys probably just up the road. Sure. So, yep. uh, you know, I don't know how many a great broadcasters come out of Valpo. You're going to go into the, you should go into their Hall of Fame, man, the way you're going right now. <laughs> I, got a young, I got a young alumni award from them a couple of years back, but right. I had I had, I had to make sure that I had actually finished my degree because I didn't finish <laughs> because I got a job offer. And of course, that's what you do in, in the business. You, you take the job when they offer it to you. All right, so Lions, we mentioned before, Lions, Niners, Eagles. You, you've seen these other teams. Um, is there a big gap? Everybody says, oh, Philly, San Francisco, and then maybe is it Detroit or Dallas at three? It, is there a big gap? And is that good for the game that, I mean, look, Houston right now got well in one year based off of getting C.J. Stroud. You, you call NBA games, you see what, what the Pistons are going through, what the Bulls are going through. Uh, is that a good thing that this parity is here? I, I think uh, it depends on how you view the NFL as a soap opera, right? Like, cause for all those years that, you know, uh, you, you had mentioned Tom Brady a moment ago for all those years that the Patriots were so dominant for the most part, or at the very least uber competitive every single year and, and a, and a dynamic and, and dynastic playoff team. Like people love that, right? They love the villain role that the Patriots play. Or obviously if you're a, a, a Massachusetts person, you're, you know, from the Commonwealth, you of course are rooting heavily for them. So that kind of added to the drama and to the casual impact for, or uh, you know, for fans that aren't diehards or locked in, or and you get, you know, you and I cover this stuff, so of course we're going to be a little bit more dialed into it. And for me, you know, remember what view I'm coming from. You know, I'm not the A guy at Fox, so I'm not getting the top game every week. So I'm kind of running into some randomness with my matchups. So when we have a couple of teams that are within three or four games of one another and fighting for maybe the six or the seven seed. Or maybe you're doing an NFC South game where there's a five and five and a six and four team, and that game's going to go a long way into determining a division champion. Uh, you know, ten weeks later, six weeks later, whatever it may be, for us who aren't doing the A game, like that's a big deal for us. So I like that there's parity. I like that there are a bunch of teams that can beat each other on any given week, and stuff could go weird, and we could have more entertaining games. Seventy percent of games this season have been within a score in the fourth quarter, and a, a pretty wide margin of games have, have been determined by the last four minutes. And just like we saw on Sunday with the Lions, the last two Lions games have been like that. So, you know, I, I think it's good from my perspective that there is that type of parody, but I can see why certain fans would go, well, I don't want to watch this or, you know, th this is not a, a, a marquee matchup or something like that. Like 
I, I think you got to find the stories if you're in our position. And I think if you're a fan of, uh, of, of teams, you got to understand that the fact that a bunch of teams are kind of jumbled together means that it's going to be exciting in week 16, 17, week 18. It's amazing uh, when the Lions, they move Lions Bucks to 425. I yep. thought they were getting, no offense to you, I thought it was like, oh, we're getting the number one crew. And actually, Burkhart and Olsen had to call like a Giants game. And I thought they you guys got the best of the better doing, game. They were doing like Browns 49ers that That's week, right. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like yeah. And again, a game that nobody's really got on their radar that comes down to the final kick and Cleveland knocks off San Francisco for their first loss of the season. That's right. That's so right. it's like, you know, and, and I was I was filling in on the B crew. So we were, you know, you got the number two crew at the very least or, or two and a half with me filling in, I guess. But, uh, but you know, like I was a little surprised that we ended up on that game because I figured that was the best game that week. I know it didn't play particularly well, but I was like, oh, there's no way we're getting that game. We're, we'll probably end up in, in Cleveland doing that that Niners game on the road. So, you know, we were kind of looking, we're thinking about it the same way you guys are when you, you know, when you're, whether you're fans or whatever, and you're kind of thinking, oh, well, where's, where's my team on the hierarchy? I promise I don't take offense to it or anything like that, but like, yeah, you're hoping to see Burkhart or Nance or you're playing in primetime on Monday or Sunday night, or hopefully, you know, on a, if you're playing well, you're on a Thursday night and Al will have plenty to be excited about rather than uh, poo pooing the game that he's called. <laughs> Which he has the right to, all right. He's been in it. He's been doing yeah. this for thirty some odd years. I give him all the benefit of the doubt. He gets a free pass, so uh, hopefully, awful announcing doesn't see this. No. Uh, <laughs> final thing, you um, you're doing baseball on Fox in the summer. Are you getting any time off and to rest? That's number one and number two. People in Detroit are going nuts about Jason Benetti getting here. Like yeah. this is like a huge deal here. It should be. Um, I, I, I get to do the Fox baseball schedule, and I, I had some questions this week as to whether I had any interest in uh, in taking over for Jason. I, I do the Bulls, and Jason was my backup oh, for a lot of games, and, and I was his backup for a bunch of White Sox games, and we have a great relationship, and I'm, I'm so proud of him. Uh, I'm thrilled for him. I'm sad, for sure. Uh, you know, he's my buddy and, and, uh, and a guy I have a lot of respect for, and I like that, you know, he's a hometown guy doing the team that – he grew up rooting for. I'm a hometown guy doing the team that I grew up rooting for. He and I were the last two candidates for the White Sox job, and he got it wow. over me, and I was kind of disappointed about it. You know, it was almost seven years ago, eight years ago almost now, and I found out more about him. We weren't particularly close at that point, and I found out his story and, and more about him, and I was like, you know what? They absolutely picked the right guy. It's disappointing, you know, that that the he and the organization – didn't see eye to eye and and he didn't feel respected and and that sucks but i know that he's going to a place where you know they're going to be excited for him the product seems like it's going to be better you know you saw it in the second half of the season this past year like it seems like the product is getting better in detroit they got a lot of young talent for the tigers and i feel like jason's the right guy to kind of shepherd along a lot of this young talent he's a great announcer he's a great guy he's funny you're going to enjoy sitting around with him for 120 some odd games uh, coming up this, uh, this next spring and summer. And uh, I'm sad that Chicago's loss is uh, is Detroit's game. Were you, were you a White Sox fan or Cub fan growing up, by the way? I was a Cub fan growing up because oh, okay. my dad, uh, my dad came to the States in uh, late, the late seventies. And uh, the first team he ran into was the 1979 Chicago Cubs who were dreadful and uh, were dreadful for about three or four seasons. And then uh, finally they started turning things around and, uh, I was born about a, a couple of years after they uh, they'd won that 84 title. And then I was a few years old when they finally won an 89 again. 
Adam, it was great catching up. Uh, you do a great job. Thought you sounded awesome on Sunday. It was a great call and uh, appreciate the time. We'll have to do it again. You got it, buddy. Great to catch up with you as always, Matty. Adam Amin with us from Fox, along with the Mark Schlereth. We're on the call this past Sunday. Peter Bukowski joins us tomorrow from Locked on Packers, and we'll do a preview on Thursday morning leading into the Thanksgiving game on Thursday afternoon.